Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Natal Protansky. He is founder and CEO of Sorting Robotics. We're going to talk a little bit about tech in cannabis. I love kind of this general category in the cannabis space. I think technology is just, we're just kind of scratching the surface in terms of what we can do with technology, both hardware and software in the cannabis space as this industry grows. And this might be the most techie <laughs> kind of interview we've done, um, most advanced kind of application of technology to cannabis, certainly on the kind of hardware robotic side of things. I'm excited for this. There's some really interesting things. And it's, it's always fascinating to kind of talk with companies that are doing kind of early stage, a little bit of cutting edge, finding uh, new kind of problems uh, and new solutions in the space. Uh, and Natal and his team have, have certainly done that. So excited to have this conversation. With that, Natal, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Thank you for taking the time today. So, you know, before we kind of get into what you're doing today with cannabis and robotics, let's, uh, let's get a little bit of the backstory. Um, what was your professional background? Tell us about kind of your involvement in technology and robotics and then uh, kind of how cannabis came into play. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm trained as an aerospace engineer. Uh, I got my master's degree in aerospace engineering from Georgia Tech. 
And then uh, after that, I worked at NASA JPL for almost four years on the MOXIE project, which is a system that is currently producing oxygen on the surface of Mars uh, on the Mars Perseverance rover. Uh, so I was the lead engineer for the heart of that instrument and one of the, the first engineers on the project. Yeah. And for, for reference, JPL, for those folks, it's the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of so, acronyms in here. So you're literally a rocket scientist from from uh, from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been a few years since I've like worked on rockets specifically. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I, yeah, a lot of rocket space type stuff, um, aerospace yeah. industry. Yeah. So G, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is the NASA Research Center in Pasadena, like a city in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did, how did you go from NASA to uh, robotics to cannabis? Yeah, so that was a circuitous journey. Um, basically, I, uh, I had started a desktop 3D printing company when I was in graduate school, and that kind of gave me the entrepreneurship bug. I was like, yeah, this is me. Like, I can, I can mm-hmm. do this. And so when I went to NASA, it was kind of like my like decompression time because the first company was very hard and NASA is a is a very complicated place to work but it's also got a lot of bureaucracy so although the people there are really great and the things that you're working on are super cool it's very slow right and if you have an entrepreneurship bug a slow large bureaucratic system is not like the best most you know productive <laughs> environment um, yeah. yeah and so in my last year at jpl me and one of my other friends from grad school who also worked there uh, we started this robotics company building a small inventory management system for e-commerce sellers of a, of a trading game a trading card game called magic the gathering Okay. Um, it's like a small, like kind of, it's like Pokemon. Um, okay. but basically we made this robotic system that categorized all the inventory and then made that into a format that they could automatically upload into their online store and kind of like reduce their labor 70 to 90%. It was, it was like a significant change for that industry. And so we wanted to start this like lifestyle business of robotics because we were very technical. We wanted to do something technical and we were kind of over the whole bureaucratic sort of like life that like most aerospace engineers live. Um, So we started this company. um, It was going really well. And then um, we quit our day jobs and then brought on a a third co-founder to like actually build the product and everything. Cassio. And he was another guy who was in like the magic, the gathering space, but like a, like kind of a genius when it comes to machine learning and computer vision and stuff like that. And so we started this robotics company and then um, we very quickly noticed that that market was quite small. And um, we also noticed that maybe we had larger aspirations than we initially thought. Mm, so yeah. Uh, yeah, lifestyle robotics business sounds pretty cool. And then once you start doing it, you're like, <laughs> Maybe I want to do something bigger, and yeah. Um, yeah. And so then that's when we decided to like find a, a bigger market, and we thought the best way to do that would be to get into Y Combinator, which is um, a startup accelerator program in Silicon Valley. Yep. Um, and so we got into Y Combinator, and we used all of their kind of like networking and resources from being in that like kind of exclusive little group to search for a different market, and that took us. I mean, it was like almost almost four months of while we were running the card sorting business and like selling machines and delivering them and kind of continuing to build out that market. We're like searching for this other one. And we eventually landed in cannabis because we noticed that there was no automation. (laughs) And we were looking for a place where what market segment could really use 
supreme mechanical design with very intuitive computer vision and like this whole like robotics you know kind of competency and um cannabis didn't have anything and all the big companies didn't want to touch cannabis because it was still federally illegal and it is yeah. still federally illegal and we just said oh that this seems like a great thing and we all kind of smoked and like appreciated the plant and appreciated the kind of culture around it and like oh this is great <laughs> and so yeah. uh so that's kind of how we ended up getting into the cannabis space from like nasa engineers to cannabis robotics company yeah and so what specific what problems have you been focused on in cannabis and and how have you been applying you know kind of the uh, technologies uh, to solve some of these okay so a few things basically we came into the space with uh, a fresh set of eyes, right? And a lot of the operators that are currently operating came in from the black market yeah. or like what we call like legacy market. Yeah. And so they're used to doing things a certain way. So when we came in, we're all like very technical. So we just started seeing every part of the value chain and started weighing what was good, what was bad, what made sense, what should be improved and uh, what was kind of like the biggest opportunity. And so when we first started, we thought we could build a system that did a high throughput agricultural sortation and like perform an arbitrage on the marketplace of trim, like outdoor trim. Yeah. And we effectively built like a, a high velocity tomato sorter, but we did it for cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, and we did that over the course of several months and then kind of demonstrated that we were making money. We were performing the arbitrage, and this was at the end of 2019. And then we raised like two and a half million dollars saying we're going to scale this out and we're going to make this agricultural sorter be this like kind of foundational piece of the cannabis value chain. And then we got to like the fall harvest of that year, and the prices for all of the cannabis <laughs> like tripled, right? It was, it was very weird. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of like killed the business model because the waste stream that people were just throwing out because they didn't have the labor or the money to sort through. Now they were, they didn't care. They're like, oh, everything's three times the price than it was last year. <laughs> and so it kind of threw a wrench in like our whole business model. Yeah, and so we, yeah, yeah we, we were forced to pivot like pretty quickly after that. So in the beginning of 2019, we decided, okay, we want to still build, you know, robots for this industry. The thing that the first thing we kind of tried worked, but now it's too early, right? Now we we almost we <laughs> we, were, we were just on time, and now we're too early. Yeah. And um, we said, how can we move forward in this industry? And the first thing we need to do was we needed to build the test kitchen for us to, you know, work with this extremely regulated product. So we needed a place that we had full access to cannabis, and we also needed a wide range of cannabis you, like everything you need to build a good robot you need to have full access to whatever medium you're working with yeah yeah and so we decided to start a company called rice co-packing with a few um cannabis operators that i had met along the way and um they really wanted to build like another like kind of cannabis business and they wanted automation because they kind of saw that, that was, they shared this vision of the future being fully automated as opposed yeah. to more of the same and so we started like a cannabis manufacturing company up in oakland at the beginning of 2020 and that whole purpose was make a test kitchen so we can build better robots and then mm -hmm. learn what the problems are in the industry so we can actually understand what the problems are going to be and then how to solve them. And then we can be our own guinea pigs. 
and so that company has been, you know, trucking along for the past about year and a half now. And mm-hmm. um, it's doing pretty well. And, it, you know, it co-packs for a bunch of different brands. And it also does what we wanted it to do. It's, you know, being a test kitchen for all the robotic systems that we're building. So that was like one thing that we did at the beginning of 2020 in our pivot. Kind of like I started that company separate from Sorting Robotics. And it just kind of like feeds in as a sister company. But uh, Sorting Robotics specifically started working on two different forms of technologies from the issues that it identified. The first one was a high throughput vape cartridge filling machine where we partnered with uh, our friends at 14th Round, which they're like a huge vape cartridge manufacturer and like design firm in the space. And they wanted a very competent group to build a like best in class vape filling machine Mm -hmm. and we started that at the beginning of last year and then um, we've been in manufacturing covid kind of like messed with things um (laughs) yeah yeah, like uh but like we have a a few of our prototype systems in their facility here in la and like it's crushed like we've we've developed a vape cartridge filling system that is five times faster than the like latest and greatest and has like a a tolerance band of the fill on like a 0.05 percent which is like 10 times tighter tolerance than the latest and greatest so it's it's really good and it's been there for a few months just like cranking away what and what um what was the latest and greatest technology or method that people were using and and how did you kind of improve it or how did you use you know robotics and automation to to get to these numbers that you just quoted yeah, that's good. Um, the latest and greatest, there's two two machines that are kind of on the forefront of this. One is the Thompson Duke, which is like a single needle that um, you know, draws distillate oil and then injects it one by one into an array of uh, cartridges. And so that's what people have been using for a long time. That one kind of is automated a little bit, mm-hmm. more like it moves the tray around. But it has a, a bunch of issues, like operational issues, where it's like very finicky and stuff. And then the next one is something called the 710 Shark, which actually has like a, a matrix of needles and then it like fills 100 vape cartridges at a time. And so this is kind of like what we saw as like the you know best in class at the time. And initially, we actually thought that that stuff was fine and it was good. But when we started doing customer development and started talking with our partners more, everyone was like, Oh no, it's like it's a pain. It's a huge pain to use <laughs> each one of those. And they had a bunch of different reasons. And so we kind of had this like second mover advantage sort of thing where these guys made a product and then kind of just didn't really improve on it over the past four to five years. Yeah. And so we said, okay, cool. Like we'll take the best pieces of each one of these things and then actually make it a robot and what that means is as opposed to like a a machine like a kind of clockwork mechanism that you tell it what to do and then it does it Mm -hmm. uh our system follows like algorithms of like dosing so like it will dose different it will dose different oils in a completely different fashion given the viscosity of that oil and the temperature requirements and the type of cartridge that it's going into and not only that it's like an iot system so like you can view all of the data of how many cartridges you're filling what's the rate that they're filling at you can observe log reports we have telemetry for the whole system and on top of that we kind of just change the physics of how cartridges are getting filled Um, and that's how we're able to get like that very high precision and that very high flow rate uh, because we just looked at the problem 
and then built it up from there like not even really copying what they're doing the only kind of similarity that our machine has to like a 710 shark is that it does 100 at a time and then that's where it ends because the way it heats is completely different the way it's controlled is completely different the way it i mean ours even logs data so it's like it's uh it's smart Mm -hmm. and it seems like this insight that you had a relationship you have with the customers was key to really kind of understanding what the real problem was, what potential solutions, would, what requirements would have to go into better solutions. Tell us, tell us about that relationship. How did you develop those relationships? Why was that important to you in the process? So we developed a few of those relationships along the way doing uh, agricultural sortation system. And, um, and then as we were going through the R&D, our partner, like, you know, Copax, uh, vape cartridges for a bunch of different brands. And so they had all this, like, you know, industry knowledge from five, 10 years ago back in the medical market. So they just, like, understood this, like, wide range of behaviors that they'd seen before. And, and we always take a very uh, customer development approach. Like, even we got into the cannabis industry through, like, interviews and customer development. Yeah. And so everything that we make, we are identifying problems before we build solutions. And as we're building those solutions, we're doing them in tandem with the customers. So it's like very much like a very tight feedback loop. Yeah, it's very kind of Steve Blank uh, kind of approach to product development. Yeah, exactly. And um, although that's not really being applied too much in the cannabis industry, yeah. we're technologists, so that's we, we apply what we know, right? We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. No, exactly. And I think that's the beauty of this is that you're taking what is highly developed and, and used regularly in tech and, uh, you know, both hardware, software and, you know, very, very tight iterations, very quick iterations, tight relationships with customers, evolving the products very quickly and applying it to a space which honestly has not been very customer focused. <laughs> you know, it's like, how, how much THC can we put it? Can we get into the flower is basically the only the only thing that people have been focused on. I mean, I guess, yeah. do you do you feel I mean, it sounds like your your products are are pretty effective right now and, and, and generating solutions right now. How much how much do you feel like this is, you know, kind of short term wins? And how much do you feel like this is just the beginning of really a seismic shift in cannabis, you know, production, processing into the world of kind of tech and robotics and high speed automation? So when it comes to the cannabis side of things, I think what we're witnessing right now is kind of the generation two of devices, the more mature devices, the things that have been thought out a bit more, because there are some like heritage things that we picked up after the 215 market as we went into rec. And um, now we're seeing things that the Mobius trimmer is a good example of that. It's very similar to um, other you know, large format trimmers, mm -hmm. but it's just like, it, you can tell, like they actually thought about it, right? They didn't just <laughs> yeah. take like a lawnmower and just like figure out like, oh, this, this, this should work. No, no, they yeah. like, they thought about it. They thought about how customers would interface with it. Uh -huh. And, um, and I see that a very analogous thing where there is maybe more of like, is an automation and ours is maybe more of a robotics type thing. The okay. difference what, being that, yeah. Tell me the difference. Yeah. The difference being that, um, robots make decisions and automation carries out like predefined tasks. Got it. It's more of an instruction set than a decision-making framework. Exactly. Like if your robot ever is like making, if your automation system is like making decisions or like it has a brain outside of like P PLC control, uh -huh. uh, programmable logic, then it's, it's a robot. Um, it's, it's doing a lot more complicated things based on feedback. And, and that's what kind of changes the way um, that classification happens. And so 
right now, and I think probably now until a year or so after federal legalization, you're going to just see a bunch of these like generation two level machines. And like a lot of them will be producing. And then we also work with a, a few other automation companies in the space and we do R&D for them as well because we're just like so like competent and like quickly good at quick iterations. But you're going to see a lot of discrete things, right? So like we made the vape filling machine and then after a bunch of experimentation in the Rise co-packing facility, we had customers that wanted us to infuse pre-rolls and that whole process was also done by hand. And so that was kind of a pain in the ass. And, um, and so we said, okay, forget this. We're not even going to do this for our customers. We're just going to make a whole machine that does it and then like build a little robot that does infusing pre-rolls. And, and then we did that. And like right now we're, we're selling them out and, and it's doing really well. But the idea is that like, that's just like another thing, right? It's like another discrete activity that a robot has been made for. So you're just going to keep seeing a lot of discrete activities one by one be developed. And you're going to have manufacturing facilities and co-packing facilities that have many machines. And each one of those machines do a task. And that's probably going to continue for the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you're going to start seeing what you're used to seeing in other industries, which you go from discrete manufacturing to continuous production. And that's when you'll have a facility that takes in like a semi truck of just branches of weed. And then it's going to go into a huge pile. That huge pile is going to go into a trimmer. From that trimmer, it's going to go onto a conveying system. From that conveying system, it's going to go on to a quality sortation system. And then from that quality sortation system, it's going to go into a packaging line. From that packaging line, it's going to go into a labeling. From that labeler, it's going to go to a palletizer. From that palletizer, it's going to go to a um, uh, like a, a boxing mechanism. And, and then it's going to be on another semi-truck and it's going to ship out, you know, out of state. Like this is assuming federal legalization and you have like these massive hubs. So that's you're you're kind of seeing like the embryonic stages right now where like you only have you have multiple cells yeah. that are complicated but they haven't been combined yet and once mm -hmm. they get combined that's when you can kind of say that like okay we've we've reached you know the sophisticated processing of um cannabis yeah and and are those solutions going to be just kind of big complicated robotic solutions or are these going to be series of task specific robots that are coordinated with some kind of transportation robot around it. like how, how will this kind of technically map out when when we get to that point i mean i think ideally it'll probably be a kind of synthesis of the two so take for example like our vape filling machine right so this thing can do like 50 seconds it can do 100 cartridges one machine can produce enough vape cartridges for i don't know maybe five percent of the whole california market if they ran it every single day yeah. for 24 hours a day or like yeah. 16 hours a day that would be enough right yeah and so in a scenario where like you have a singular machine serving such a significant part of the market it doesn't make sense to like have a full continuous line right because yeah. a simple piece of technology can do just enough so i think in the beginning it will be these individual discrete machines with maybe robotic arms bridging the gap simplifying the those combinations because like that kind of story that i just painted for you of that production line about 50 percent of those pieces of technology that i mentioned like sorting robotics has the technology 
inside those pieces. And then the other 50%, it's either people who we've worked with or like other automation that's readily available in the space. And um, that means they're coming from discrete companies, which means they're all going to have discrete devices and they're going to need to handshake each other. And so the problem there is going to be, you know, how they handshake and, you know, how they all talk with each other. But eventually those protocols will all be well-defined and all those companies, my company, other companies, we'll all know how to play nice to each other. And then we'll get into a phase where it's not individual, like discrete blocks. They're all kind of working together. Kind of like if you go to like a Tesla manufacturing company, right? Or like Tesla manufacturing facility, there's a bunch of robots that are from different manufacturers, but they all follow the same protocol and they're all on a single line. So it'll kind of go there. But I think that'll take a very long time. Yeah. Like plus five years. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like kind of a, I mean, generally what I find with these industries is in the beginning, it's very proprietary and vertically integrated, you know, because a company wants to be able to handle soup to nuts. And then as things mature, you start getting some standards, you've got some protocols, then people can start to focus on different areas and they've got the ability to to integrate and handshake and, you know, create uh, kind of focus solutions that integrate with other people, other company solutions. So, but it just takes a while for that to mature and develop. What have been some of the challenges? I mean, I, you know, I can imagine that on one hand, cannabis is kind of attractive and appealing and sexy for some folks, but have you been able to get the right talent? Have you been able to get kind of the right partnerships, you know, to bring in this technology? What would have been kind of challenges in terms of getting the right people, the right equipment, the right knowledge to the table to actually develop these solutions? I mean, really, every part of it is difficult. And I think a lot of it, <laughs> yeah, like everything you mentioned, it was it's hard. Um, so when it comes to the uh, like hiring people sort of thing, we, we spent a very long time hiring like we just hired uh, a new engineer and we spent four months uh, before we hired like this guy we interviewed a bunch of people and that came from the fact that like one it's a startup so you know it takes a certain type of person that wants to work there but then two it's a startup and so they have to care and they have to like really be involved with the like ethos and mission statement of the company and the mission statement for sorting robotics is to build the cannabis infrastructure for manufacturing like period that's that's what we want to do we have every you know capability to do that and and that means you have to like be into cannabis right so think about like what that venn diagram looks like you (laughs) have an engineer right okay there okay so that's a subsection of the population yeah and then that engineer needs to be exceptional okay that's a very small uh subsection of two percent right yeah and and uh like and they don't just have to be exceptional in like they're good at math sort of thing. They have to be good at research and development, yeah. which is like a very unique skill and like one that you gain like over time. And yeah. it's just like it's very odd. Like the people that are good at it are very like different. And then they have to like weed, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they, because they're going to be working long hours. The problems that they're yeah. facing are going to be very difficult. So they have to like kind of be into the project, right? And and then and then they have to want to like you know join a startup so there's that venn diagram of like these three different things so it gives you like a very very small pool of people to choose from yeah but uh but we found a few people and uh like everyone that is here now is like super into it like they just they love it right like rice co-packing um made its own branded uh like infused pre-roll and that pre-roll we kind of invented at sorting robotics where like we changed the form factor of the paper we changed the Mm -hmm. like the way the joint was actually configured for like optimal flow rate and like 
decreasing the um, the temperature of the smoke as it comes out while also increasing the adiabatic flame temperature of the cherry at the end. So like we like thought about it, right? But it's because we had like really unique, yeah. exceptional engineers who like got to take all that focus and throw it into weed. It's like hey. Chris, my my next question is going to be: Do you come up with better ideas sober or high? <laughs> oh, sober. I can't do anything <laughs> while high. And actually, that's that is the same trend with everyone at sorting. Like. No one can really function high here. <laughs> like, so, like, when we smoke, usually it's, like, a Friday and yeah. we're, you know, at Korean barbecue or something yeah, like that. Done um, for the day. <laughs> yeah, we're, like, we're done. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything while high. Yeah. Some people some people are great at it. I mean, oh, I know, like a, yeah. Some, some yeah. people, it, it gets them going. It somehow rewires their thinking and makes them super creative. But, uh, yeah, I'm always curious, especially with technical folks, like, how how cannabis uh, ends up impacting their kind of flow and their ability to do things and stuff. So um, interesting, interesting. What's going on in the industry right now that you're kind of paying attention to? Anything from the kind of the structure or the regulations or how the industry is developing that are is particularly interesting or is going to impact your business and, and how things grow? So there's a few things that are interesting in terms of the impact my business side. So I mentioned that in end of 2019, all the prices like tripled from 2018. Yeah. Because there was it was a supply thing and licensing and that whole kind of like mess and all the all the things I'm talking about are basically California focused. But um, the thing that I'm paying attention to right now is that we're back to 2018 in California, yeah. where it is going to be a bloodbath within the next three months when it comes to outdoor growers, because there was all this like shortage of supply for the past two years because everyone was trying to get up their grows and the licensing and this and that. And like this year, especially starting like about uh, a month or two ago, all these, I'm talking huge, like 50, 100 acre grows that are not outdoor grows, like in Humboldt where, you know, yeah. once a year there's a huge flood, they're mixed light or light assisted grows. Yeah. So every three months they're producing what all of Humboldt produces, or maybe not all of Humboldt, all of Humboldt's white market yeah. produces in a single year. Mm. And so everyone's getting crushed. And so now uh, my my device that's kind of been collecting dust, I mean, we spent, we probably made the world's most sophisticated machine learning algorithm for <laughs> weed. <laughs> it is, it's just kind of hanging out, right? Yeah. Um, but now it's going to be super valid. So um, in the, like in next year, once we, I'm kind of mature out these two products that we're putting in the market. We're going to be dusting off the old agricultural sorter and um, and using it because now these companies that they're creating all this all this supply, they also don't have labor to yeah to sort it to deal with it. So it's it's back to 2018 in 2021. So that's that's that caught me off guard. Like I did not think that that was going to happen because there were a bunch of fires. I thought the same thing this year was going to happen when like next year yeah. but um no that it's a very surprising thing and everyone's freaking out like oh, uh, sure. we have a bunch of clients up at the co-packing facility and they're like oh my god just just sell it i don't care just get it out get it out the door <laughs> you know, and, fire yeah. sale literally yeah interesting this has been a pleasure if people want to find out more about you about the work that you do what's the best way to get that information uh, yeah, so there's a few things. If they want to find out about our um, Infused Puro brand, they can follow us at Gico Joints uh, on Instagram. And um, if they want to know more about sorting robotics, uh, just go to sortingrobotics.com. 
Uh, we have a bunch of different products there. There's a little backstory on the company. But yeah, those are kind of the two main things uh, that we kind of have outward facing. Excellent. I'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes so people can click through and get that. Highly encourage people to check it out. The videos and the imagery and stuff is, is really great. So, Natal, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks. No, this is good. I'm glad we got to talk. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.